This is the audio-only version of MedTwitter This Week. If you're interested in seeing the full video, please check us out on YouTube, Periscope, or Twitter. Let's hit it. All right, welcome back. This is another MedTwit This Week. I'm Chris the Chew Man Chew, and I've got a great tweet. Um, and I've, you've probably heard from this guy before. So this is from Dr. Tony Brew, and um, you can see here, this tweet that I have, so I'll start off with a question because um, it's always about the how with Dr. Dr. Brew here. Why are AST and ALT relatively low in alcoholic hepatitis? Other forms of acute hepatocellular injury, e.g. acute hepatitis B, often manifest with very high AST LT, greater than 1,000. Values greater than 500 are rare in alcoholic hepatitis. Why? And of course, you can see here that um, I didn't pick very well. Obviously, I don't know anything about it. I got the I picked the one that only 55.9% people chose. So unfortunately, I need to learn a little more. And, you know, I have the perfect person to help me. I have Dr. Tony Brew. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Chris. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. So um, I got this question wrong, and I was in the large minority of people. So apparently a lot more people understand this better than me. Um, do you want to first talk about why how you came up with this question and why you wanted to address it? Well, here's the thing. I'll tell you that um, if you look at the four options, you know, the, the option that I had intended uh, to be the correct one, the, the fourth one, that, that the fact that the AST and the ALT have a cofactor missing, it could be that that's not the correct answer because I will tell you there is not a lot of literature on this topic. And when I wrote the thread, that was what I intended to be the, the most correct of these four. Um, but as we may talk about, uh, you know, when, when we go over the tutorial, you know, other people responded to this thread um, with uh, comments that may suggest that my answer, right, the, that, that a cofactor, specifically uh, B6, uh, is missing or low, uh, that, that actually may not be the most important answer. So, so I'm not going to tell you that, that clearance by the kidney is the correct answer. Uh, but it may be even the case that, that I didn't even get it right. So uh, there, there's some, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, we, you've got something to work with. Um, so I'll tell you, the reason I wanted to look into this is, um, you know, I sit in on a lot of morning reports, and I find that when junior learners um, get presented with a case of alcoholic hepatitis, right, it's typically a patient who's got an elevated bilirubin, usually, you know, over five, sometimes double digits, sometimes, you know, over 20. 30 or even over 40 and very, very mildly elevated ALT and AST. As I mentioned in this first tweet, very rare to be over 500. And this pattern, those, um, that bilirubin, that ALT, AST in a patient who has alcohol use disorder, the senior clinicians immediately recognize that as alcoholic hepatitis. But the junior learners struggle because they don't know that pattern recognition yet and it doesn't make sense to them, right? They say, this patient doesn't have a pattern of hepatocellular injury. I'm used to, you know, LFTs, AFT, AST, LFT in the thousands, right? Why is this patient only having in the low hundreds? Uh, and the bilirubin is sky high. That, that looks like cold static. That doesn't look like hepatocellular injury. And so I think they struggle with, with squaring that and just frankly, just learn that that is the pattern for alcoholic hepatitis and accept it. And for me, for over 10 years, I kind of just accepted it. Um, I don't know. Does that ring true to you? Like, you know, that, like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, this uh, pattern maybe didn't make sense at first, but you kind of just accepted it and moved on. 
I mean, there's so much in medicine that is just like, yeah, this is just how it is. I, honestly, I, I don't even know if I ever knew there was good reasons for it, or at least, you know, what, what theories were or had researched into it, which is why I think that's why this tweet really reached to me, like majority of your tweets, because it's always, there are always questions that you, that you bring up that I had thought about, but not thought about at the same time, you know, and that's why, that's why I always get such great, great joy out of reading the work that you've done. Yeah, I mean, my, my favorite kind of questions are the questions that um, people didn't realize they, they wanted to ask. Um, and, and usually they're questions I didn't realize I wanted to ask until I, real, I, I identified there's a gap in my knowledge. Um, so I'll say a few things uh, about this, um, uh, you know, in terms of the, the background and the explanation. Um, so first, um, you know, if, if you go back uh, to, you know, many decades ago when alcohol hepatitis was first described through now, it's pretty consistently the case that, um, that this pattern is true, you know, relatively low AST, ALT. And I'm using the word relatively because, as we mentioned in the first tweet, compared to other acute inflammatory conditions like acute viral syndromes like uh, uh, hep B and hep A, um, toxins like acetaminophen, uh, autoimmune, those often have um, AST and ALT values uh, significantly higher. And if, if you believe that alcoholic tendis has a, an acute, com acute component to it, you got to ask like, why not this? And maybe it's just not inflammatory, but that's not the case, right? The, the second tweet attempts to sort of, or the third tweet attempts to make the case that, yes, this is inflammatory. Yes, this is necrotic if you do biopsy. So it's not, you can't just say, well, this isn't an inflammatory state because biopsies um, clearly suggest otherwise. Um, and so when this was initially explored a few decades ago, what people seem to um, coalesce around was the low level of pyridoxine uh, or B6, um, a vitamin that is an essential vitamin. So it's something that we have to ingest. In uh, patients with alcohol use disorder, we're found to fairly routinely have low levels of, of B6. And it turns out, and I didn't know this before looking into this topic, but it turns out that B6 is an essential cofactor for the transaminases ALT and AST. They don't function without B6. So it, it shouldn't be too surprising that if you've got a, a markedly depressed B6 level in a patient who has alcohol use disorder, uh, that you are also going to have a markedly depressed transaminase level. And the effect is greater on ALT than AST, but I, I believe in, in the reading that I did that you can see it with both. Now this so so far does that make sense? Yes. Now this this ties into an old tweet of yours back from like back in September 2018 about AST and ALT ratios, right? That's right. So you know, in that we we talked a little bit about um, you know, why that classic ratio greater than two to one in alcoholic uh, liver disease. You know, why is that ratio greater than two to one? And the the kind of take home was that it's both an increase in AST by virtue of the release of mitochondrial AST um, from the alcohol and a decrease in ALT as a result of this B6, this pyridoxine uh, deficiency. And so an increase in AST, a decrease in ALT, unsurprisingly, you're gonna get an increase in the overall ratio of AST to ALT.
Now you discussed that it's not just B60. You can give B6 back and it doesn't resolve the issue, correct? Yeah, so this was also something I didn't know, or if I knew at some point I had forgotten. So you know, B6, again, pyridoxine, um, probably most commonly uh, we as internists see this when we give it to patients who are on INH therapy. Um, that is not the active form. The active form is uh, pyridoxine 5-phosphate or pyridoxal 5-phosphate. Um, and, and so it does need to be converted. And um, it, it turns out that the, the PLP, right, this active form, is the form that you actually really need. And you know, it's, we go over it in the, the tutorial a bit. Um, excuse me for that moment. Uh, we go over into the tutorial a little bit, you know, like how was that discovered? How do you know it's like one to the other? Um, and the reality is it doesn't matter that much, um, excepting the, the, for the fact that if you, if you give someone you know, massive doses of B6, you're probably not going to see a marked increase in uh, ALT-AST because you don't need the B6. You really need the active form, this, gotcha, this uh, gotcha. PLP. Sorry, someone's trying to call. <laughs> well, you're a popular guy, Tony. So, um, all right. So, you know, and you also talk a little about the um, acetaldehyde, right? Yeah. So the, 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 I think the immediate question that follows is, okay, fine. Patients with alcohol use disorder have a low B6, but like, why do they have a low B6? And intuitively, I always just assume they just weren't taking in, in enough of it because like, you know, if, if it's an essential right. vitamin that you got to eat, and some patients with alcohol use disorder have malnutrition, well, that is obvious. Um, again, won't go over into the details, but it turns out that a poor ingestion, though it may play a role, isn't the predominant problem. The predominant problem is acetaldehyde, right? The first metabolite of alcohol. You know, this thing is just a total terror on the body. And one of the things it does is it displaces the active form of B6 from these binding proteins. And when it's displaced, it allows it to be degraded uh, more quickly. So it may be poor ingestion, but it's also undoubtedly increased degradation of, uh, of the active form of B6. Cool, cool. Anything else you wanna let um, the watchers or listeners to this know about your, your tweet? So, you know, I, I mentioned like very early in, in, in this discussion with you that um, this explanation um, may not be the actual real explanation. And um, I, I want to sort of uh, make reference to two people. There may be others who made this point on Twitter and I missed it and I apologize, but, you know, Russell Goodman, who is a hepatologist at MGH, uh, and Mitchell McGill, um, who has a lab in Arkansas, uh, I believe on, on liver diseases. They both made, both made the point that um, PLP is actually added to the lab assay for AL, AST and ALT in many labs. Not all labs, but many labs. And the intent of, is to mitigate the effects of B6 deficiency. So it should, you would think if the only explanation is low B6 levels or low PLP levels, that if you add it to the assay, it's going to like increase it. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to bring it up to levels in the thousands, 
And so maybe that's an argument that there are, there are other mechanisms at play. I think that's a pretty compelling argument. Um, the reality is in the last you know, 10, 15 years, I haven't seen much um, research on this topic. And so uh, you know, this is the best I had to go on. Gotcha. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. I do want to uh, finish off our talk with, um, with you providing, um, or at least suggesting one of your favorite tweets of the week. And uh, I think you, you brought up Dr. Glockenflecken, who's a friend of the Curbsiders as well. Um, he had um, TikTok, which um, unfortunately I am not on. Um, are you on TikTok? I see it on Twitter, that's it. <laughs> well, he, he, had, he had a great tweet um, using, uh, I think the voices from, from the office um, I, I don't know. Let's see if I can, maybe I will try to do a screen share on this one. Let me see. I mean, I think, I think everyone who's watching this is, has seen it, but, um, <laughs> the reason I, I particularly like this is one, it was, it was, it was funny before you realized it was Jim and Creed. And then when uh, a friend of mine, Chris Worsham pointed out on Twitter that the, the voices were actually Jim and Creed from, uh, an episode where they were playing chess, it just made it like infinitely better and it was already amazing. Um, I mean, everything that he does is just, you know, incisive and funny and um, frustratingly so to some extent. Yeah, he's definitely had some some very good, um, I, I guess they're all TikTok videos over the last like couple of weeks during the, you know, COVID-19 stay at home. Because um, as, yeah. as a ophthalmologist, I'm, I'm sure his, his uh, He's not doing a whole bunch of work and spending a lot of time with his family. And I think he was just doing lots of really, really funny and on the nose content. I, re I really think was, was quite good. So, yeah. um, so for people who haven't seen it, it came out May 1st. I'll, I'll link it. I'll thread it below. Um, and if you're, if you're in the, in the tweet and I'll, I'll link it in, in the YouTube. So, um, well, Tony, do you have anything else to plug? Otherwise I'm going to have, I'll, I'll let you go. Nope, nothing else. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for, for, uh, for watching and listening to MedQuit this week, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. Thanks, Chris.